Well, good morning, Momentum. My name is Brantley Johnson. I'm the executive pastor here at Momentum Church. I love all the bass in the room. It just makes me so happy. I feel like I should go, like, chest bump somebody right now. (laughs) Uh, It's been a while since I've gotten to preach, and I'm really excited to be here today. And um, this morning, we're not going to waste any time. So if I get you all to stand up with me, we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah chapter 43. This is verse 1. But now, thus says the Lord, your creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. Today we're uh, talking about the cup of redemption, that, that, uh, the third cup of the Passover meal, um, and We've gone through save people, save people, and change people, change people, and all of this. We're on to redemption, and this spoke into my heart. It, it, it's no longer speaking to my head. It's speaking to my heart. So I just want, I want you to close your eyes with me, okay? Don't worry. Nobody's going to chop you in the throat while you've got your eyes closed. Okay? I want you to close your eyes, though, all right? And as I read this to you, I just, I want you to focus in and, and try to just hear the voice of God, not my voice, the voice of God just speaking to your heart for just a minute. But now, thus says the Lord, your creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name And you are mine. Repeat this after me. Do not fear. fear. For I have redeemed you. I have have called you by name. name. You are mine. mine. Y'all can have a seat. Man, God has, man, he's got just a really neat word for you. And I'm like super jacked right now. I just am. Man, that, that idea of redemption, the idea of value, all right, that's, that's where we're going today. We're going to that idea of value. Now, for those of you, uh, show of hands, if you were basically raised in church, I was. Anybody else? Okay, we got quite a few of you. Looks like we got a few of you, well, not a few, we got a, quite a few of you that were not raised in church. That's awesome. So for the people that were raised in church, this message is for you. For the people who were not raised in church, don't even, maybe don't even believe in Jesus yet, this message is for you because I was raised in church and I didn't understand this. I was a pastor today and didn't understand this. What I'm giving you to today is a different perspective on value, um, one that God showed me and it's, I promise you, if you grew up in church, you haven't looked at the scripture like this before. You just haven't, all right? I'm sorry, God gave it to me, so. <laughs> that was funny. No, but man, today God's given this to you, and I just, it, it's so exciting. It's so exciting. So to kick off today as we talk about the idea of value, um, this 
is, anybody know what this is? Quick release clamp for weights, for Olympic weights. All right, so I ordered all new weights, and they came with these stupid clamps that you can't even use. All right, you, gotta, you have to have, like, Popeye forearms in order to use those things to squeeze them to get them on. I'm like, listen, the point of me working out is so that I can get strong like Popeye. I can't currently squeeze these things. <laughs> so I bought these quick-release clamps, which um, I've used in the gym, and they're super handy. Uh, so I bought them on Amazon. They came in, and the problem was, though, is that they had rubber pieces inside of them, and they were too tight on that bar. So I'm, like, trying to push it on, and it doesn't go on. And then I have to knock it off with a mallet, which is kind of the opposite of the purpose with which I had ordered them for. So I, I go to return them, and then I'm realizing, you know what? All of these stupid clamps have the rubber things inside, so I might as well not worry about trying to return them. I'll just get rid of the rubber pieces. So it's 7 o'clock in the morning, last Sunday morning, and the kids and wife are still asleep because that's the appropriate time to break out a big knife and do something stupid. <laughs> and it was a big knife, and it was freshly sharpened because, well, it needed to be to do something stupid. So I'm holding this over the sink. I've got my big knife, and I'm working at this rubber piece. And I'm holding it like this, which I think is relatively safe, right? Knife is away from this hand, kind of. The problem is, is that this is circular, my hand. So it finally gives way, and it goes around the circle and up into my hand. And it's a lot better. Um, but at the time, there was a lot of blood. <laughs> and if it gives you any indication as to how deep the knife actually went, like, I didn't stop the knife, my hand did. <laughs> It, it went deep. I, I'm pretty sure it went to the bone. So I'm bleeding. I drop this thing in the sink. I'm in the kitchen. Uh, I drop the knife, and I turn on the faucet so I don't get blood everywhere. And these are the real thoughts that go through my head. So I'm standing there bleeding, and I'm like, I wonder if it's really that bad. It hurts, but I wonder if it's really that bad. I pull it out, and it's just, okay, <laughs> stick it back under the faucet. Now I'm thinking, I am being so dead serious right now, it's ridiculous. I'm thinking to myself, all right, what do I remember in war movies? <laughs> Elevated. So I'm in my kitchen <laughs> like this. I'm not even joking. I'm being dead serious. I'm like this. I got my hand under the faucet. Elevated. Okay. What else do I remember from war movies? Put pressure on it. So I, I reach over. I grab a towel out of the drawer, and I'm putting pressure on it. Then I'm thinking... Okay, do I wake up Hannah or call 911? I don't know. Um, I'll call Tom. He's an EMT. <laughs> so I call Tom, and I've got one phone like this here, holding pressure, underwater, all of this. It was ridiculous. And he said, all right, man, don't worry. Just if it stops bleeding within the next 15 minutes or so, you'll be okay. If it doesn't, you probably need to go to the hospital. So you thought I would have learned my lesson. Uh, so after the bleeding stopped, uh, I go to church, come back home, take a nap. Then I go out with my jigsaw. <laughs> it didn't get any worse for my hand. I did successfully get the rubber pieces off. Yeah, all right. Cheer for the idiot. Um, so I, I shaved pieces off with my jigsaw and whatnot, and, and now it works perfectly. But here's the thing, right? So I saw these online, and I was like, I need those. Those serve a specific purpose for me. And whenever I got them, I paid. I, so I paid for them. They were shipped to my house via Amazon because the world is run by Amazon. <laughs> uh, 
They show up at my front doorstep and I go to put them on and they don't work in the purpose that I had in my head that they would work for. And so I needed to do a little bit of work on them in order to get them to fulfill their purpose that I needed them to fulfill. So I see them, I purchase them, they show up and I start to work on them. And now they fit perfectly where I need them to fit. So as we look, where does the value begin? Where is that value established? Was the value established after I ordered them? No, the value was established whenever I first saw them. And I had a specific purpose in mind for them. Let me just read this one more time here. But now thus says the Lord your creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you, I have purchased you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. Now, God has a better illustration than me getting stabbed. Right? God has a, has a really incredible illustration in Scripture. So you see Jesus refer to it. You see uh, the disciples refer to it. And, and the illustration is really the ancient Hebrew marriage practices, okay? The Hebrew Jewish marriage practices. And so I'm going to roll through about six steps, all right? Only six steps. So for those of you who are mass theologians of Hebrew marriage practices, don't email me saying I, there's not all the steps in there. Yes, I know. We're going through six basic steps of the Hebrew marriage practice just so that you can have a general comprehension for the idea of value. So where we're going to start uh, is uh, with step number one. That's a good place to start, eh? Um, step number one. All right, I'm going to write the... What was... What is that? <laughs> That's the serpent coming back trying to hijack this. That's supposed to be a five. I promise. Um, all right, so we've got ancient Hebrew marriage practices. The first uh, step in a Hebrew marriage practice was that value had to be established, okay? So what would happen is the, the father of the groom would go out and he would find for his son a woman who he felt was perfect for his son, okay? He would find her and he would say, all right, not you, not you, not you, not you, not you, okay? You, you're perfect for my son, and he would establish the fact that he needed to go out and get that bride for his son. And the value was established on that bride in that moment. Now, we have to understand, yes, we are talking about literal value here, all right, when, whenever we're talking about uh, the idea of these Hebrew marriage practices. It was literally a value assessed. Okay? Then uh, the father of the groom would meet with the father of the bride, and they would agree upon a price, all right? A price was agreed upon. And I'm going to skip ahead here, all right, to step three. Price was then paid for that once it was agreed upon. Now, we're going to pause right there for just a second. So what we have to understand about the bride and the groom, okay? They were people, but in essence, they were assets to their household. It was so Whenever the father of the groom would meet with the father of the bride, it was assumed that the father of the bride was losing a valuable asset that could work in his kingdom, in his household, and the father of the groom was then gaining an asset and a valuable uh, contributor to his kingdom, to his household. All you spiritual people, don't get ahead of me. <laughs> Next, uh, the groom would leave. All right, so the groom leaves here. 
Now, at this point, at step three, whenever the price is paid, they're married, okay? Whenever they agree upon that price and it's paid, at that moment in time, they are now officially married. Now, this is called the betrothal stage, but then what's going to happen is, is that groom is going to leave for a while. Generally, it was customary for the groom to leave about a year, but sometimes longer, just depending on the situation. So the groom would leave, and here's something for you. Whenever the groom would leave, he would leave a present or a gift with his bride to say, I love you, and I'm coming back for you. (laughs) Holy Spirit. (laughs) So next, he would start to build onto, onto his father's house. Spiritual people, don't get, don't get ahead of me. He would go to build onto his father's house. Literally, he would go back to his father's house and he would start to build a home for that bride. And here's what's interesting that uh, rabbis typically agree upon. That the place where the bride is going has to be nicer than where the bride came from. Mm. (laughs) This is good stuff. Somebody should preach this. So then what's neat about this is that the groom may get this whole thing finished. He may get the room attached that's better than where his bride came from. He'll get it all done, but then he has to wait for the father to send him. The father sends the groom. He sends the groom back to collect his bride. So today, I mean, we're not, we're not talking so much about the idea of building onto his father's house or father sending the groom. Today, we're looking at that idea of value, redemption. The redemption practices were that first, value had to be established. Value had to be established. And so I'm just going to go ahead and speak for myself that we're so, that line, looking at all of this, understanding That Jesus died for us, right? I think everybody in the room has heard the message that Jesus died for your sins. We all get it. We've got the head knowledge. But today is different. Because today, God wants to speak to your heart. And value is not established in the mind, but in the heart. And that's where God wants to talk to us today. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to read from the screen. All right, so this is Adam and Eve, and they're in the Garden of Eden. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? He said, I heard the, the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And God said, who told you you were naked? This is where value is established. Let me explain it a little bit here. So God created Adam and Eve perfectly. Male and female, he created them. They walk through the garden day by day with the sole purpose of walking with God in the cool of the day. And one day God shows up to do what they always do because he created them perfectly for himself. 
and something's changed. And he says, I hid myself because I was afraid, because I was naked. Remember, just a few verses back, they were naked and felt no shame. Something was different. They took a bite of the fruit, and now all of a sudden they believed a lie. They believed that they had to cover themselves before they entered into the presence of God. They had to cover themselves before they started talking with him. Can I rephrase this for just a minute? So, whenever God, can you put that back up there for me? Whenever God says, who told you you were naked? They said, we were, we, were, we were hiding ourselves because we were afraid and we were naked. And God says, who told you you weren't perfect already? Who told you I messed up? See, in the Garden of Eden, we see where value is established. It's at least the first time that it's spoken. Who told you you weren't good? What lie did you choose to believe? So we see in Genesis chapter 3 where our value is established. Let's go to Genesis 3.15. This is going to freak you out. Genesis 3.15. See, if you remember, I told you that the father of the groom would have to meet with the father of the bride. So whenever Adam and Eve took a bite of that fruit and they fell into sin and death and darkness entered into the world, they were no longer belonging to God our Father, but now they belong to a different father. The father of the groom enters into the garden and meets with the father of the bride. God's talking to the serpent here. He's talking to Satan and he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. And the price was agreed upon that Jesus would have to die. Let's go to 1 Timothy. Yes, you can find this in the Gospels. I like this verse specifically with the idea that we are being paid for. For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom, a payment for all, a testimony given at the proper time. So here's where I would pick up, okay? As a young Christian, um, I would pick up at this point, right? Whenever Jesus dies on the cross for us, and I'm like, see, God does value us. I get it now. I get it. God values us. Jesus died on the cross. So now, now is whenever we start being valuable or attempting to be valuable. So initially, right, this wasn't like this. The price was agreed upon. I, I, I'm okay with that. The price is paid. I'm good with that. But value hasn't been established yet for me. Value is somewhere down the road here. So in Acts 1-9, right, we can see where Jesus leaves and he goes to live with the Father. You want to put Acts 1-9? I'm making it really hard on our guy on slides today. I'm sorry. I'm bouncing around. Jeremy, you are the man and a half. 
for keeping up today. Um, I'm not making it easy. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Let's go to the next verse. All right, the next verse is in John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwellers. He says, if it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also, and you know the way where I'm going. If, if I'm going a little bit too fast, if you have the Momentum app, all right, all the notes with the scriptures are on the Momentum app, okay? So you can follow along that way if it makes it a little bit easier. So we see where he's gone to build onto his father's house. And then the last, last part right here, okay, the father sends the groom. We're going to go to Matthew 24, verse 36. Matthew 24, verse 36. And he says, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the son, but the father alone. So, you know, if we're looking at this thing like a timeline, if we're looking at our life and this redemptive process like a timeline, we're somewhere over here. Okay, we're, we're in this area of time where Jesus is building onto his father's house for us. And somehow or another, we have been led to believe that this is where value is to be found, right? We're like, oh, yeah, we're going to find our value somewhere down here because Jesus died for us. He died for us, so we have to have some kind of value, so we're looking for it right here. But that's exactly what Satan wants to do today. That's exactly what Satan wants you to do. Because what he would like for you to know is that, yes, there was a price agreed upon. Yes, there was a price paid. Jesus died on the cross to save you from your sins, right? And, and, and now you need to go on and find your value. You need to live more like Christ ever. These deeds and these things, am I saying that, that we don't need to live more like Christ every day? No, that's not at all what I'm saying. Yes, we need to live like Christ more and more every day. But that's not where our value is found. Our value is found back here in Genesis chapter 3, where, where God is like, I created you perfectly. What did you not understand? I came to walk with you. I came to have a relationship with you. Yes, a real relationship. And I know you don't necessarily get that right now, but that's what I came for. And I saw value in you whenever all Satan saw was a lie. So if Satan could convince you that the lie was established back here and that your value is somewhere over here, he's won. But that's not where value is established. Value is established before the purchase is made. The redemptive process starts with him seeing the best in you before you ever even were thought of. And see, but it, it's, it's lies that we believe. At least I did. I don't know about you, but I did. I believed a lie for a long time. I had all of the head knowledge in the world. But God said, no, 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 no. I didn't come just so that you would know these scriptures. I came so that I could walk with you in the cool of the day and speak to my perfect creation. Check out Isaiah 43 again. Isaiah 43, 1, but now thus says the Lord, your creator, he's got to remind us, doesn't he? I created you. Hey, just so you don't forget, I'm the one that created you. 
And he says, I created you, O Jacob. This is important because Jacob and Israel, they're the same person. It's just different names based off of his time in life. So Jacob was the old, sinful, uh, distressed guy. Israel is the one that was becoming perfected and was the good side of Jacob. And so he says, I created you, Jacob. Remember, I perfected you before you were ever even thought of. I perfected you. I, I created you perfect in my image, O Jacob. And I formed you, O Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. Man, it's so easy to believe the lie, though. Let's go to Acts. I'm sorry, why did I say Acts? I love the book of Acts. It's not Acts, it's Romans. I just wanted y'all to go there this week, later on, whenever you're reading by yourself, and not while I'm preaching. All right, here we go. Verse 21, I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. See, Paul is already realizing, he's realizing it right there. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good, for I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. But I see a different law in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner. God, I can't do this well enough. It's like a war inside of me. Darn it, I see where I want to be and I just can't get there. It's the stuff that I want to do. I want to follow after you. And I know that my value is somewhere over there. And God's like, whoa, I'm glad that you want to follow Jesus and live like him, and that's what you should do, but your value isn't over there. Your value's over there. Before you can ever start living like Jesus, you have to start understanding that you were loved by Jesus before he ever asked you to live like Jesus. Wretched man that I am, Who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other with my flesh, the law of sin. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And and those are important words that you understand. In Christ Jesus. Not not bought by Christ Jesus, not purchased by Christ Jesus, not that he, he died on the cross and so you have forgiveness of sins. Yes, but no, that's not what he's saying. He's saying there's no condemnation. That lie that you chose to believe about yourself, as long as you are in Christ Jesus, in the value that he established for you, There's no condemnation found there because you were deemed valuable before you ever started sinning. You were deemed valuable in the midst of your sinning. I don't care how much you don't necessarily fit right away. You were deemed valuable before the purchase was made. And I will continue to work on you and shape you and mold that now that I'm working on exactly the purpose that you are designed for, but you need to understand that now that I'm working on you, that's, that's not making you any more valuable. 
You were valued before the purchase was made. Let's go a little bit further into Romans 8. What then shall we say to these things? We're on verse 31. If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered, but in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor lie, nor anxiety, nor depression, nor hopelessness, nor lifelessness, nor addiction, nor anger. I am convinced that none of these will separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. None of these things will separate us from the value that God placed on us at the beginning of time when he created us perfectly to walk in the cool of the garden. All of this is good information. It's all good information and I knew it. But something had to change in my life in order for me to understand it, no longer with my head, but with my heart. All of this is good, but life change happens when it's God. You have to allow God to speak this directly into your heart. And for those, I'm just going to let you know, religious, it's going to be really hard for you just going to let you know because for 31 years I mean obviously I know that I don't have comprehension from when I'm a baby <laughs> but my whole life I have spent my my pursuit of religion not fully understanding what it actually meant to walk with God in the cool of the garden and if you walk with God in the cool of the garden you can't help but have him speak to you some of y'all in here today are like, man, I've been going to church for I don't know how long, and I don't know that God actually speaks to me. Let me tell you something. He will if you walk in the cool of the garden. That's what you were created for. I'm going to give you something practical that I did. This is, this is how God started showing this to me. Something practical I did. I, I, I understood God I don't need religion. I've got all the religion in the world. I need a relationship with you. And I've heard that it's possible. I've heard that, that you can do incredible things. 
But in order to see the stuff of God, you first have to know who God is and spend time with God. And I'm not talking about, because listen, I, I read my Bible, I pray at God a lot. But I needed to figure out, how can I actually have a relationship? It just doesn't make sense to my logical head. I'm very black and white. All right, God, here's what I'm going to do. I pull out my phone, and I set the alarm for 10 minutes. And I like to get stuff done, so I needed to have that 10-minute timer so that I knew that, all right, it's only this long, and then I can start working on getting stuff done again. So I set my timer, and I said, okay, God, you've got, I've got 10 minutes that I can give you right now where I'm not going to be thinking about other stuff. I'm not going to be worried about other stuff. I'm just going to sit here, close my eyes, and hope that you show up because I want a relationship, and I don't know any other way to start. Everything else that I've done religiously doesn't work to build a relationship with you but I need you to just show up and spend time with me, however that looks. I don't know how that looks. Just take 10 minutes and spend time with me. I closed my eyes, and God showed up. And you know what? Man, it was crazy. I had, I had never experienced it before, man. I, I, I thought I was good in my faith, you know? Like, I was good with it. And whenever I got before God, and God was there, was worthless from him, all I could feel in that moment was worthlessness. And shame. And I was like, God, I didn't expect that. I thought I had it all. I thought I had it all together. And he was just pulling it out of me. And after a few times of that, I started calling it my, my counseling session with God because I, he was pulling stuff out of me that I didn't even know. They were deep within me, and he started speaking to my heart. And one day I said, okay, God, I know how I feel. I know how I really feel now about being in your presence. I'm unworthy and I'm ashamed. I need to know what you think of me, God. I need to know what you see is my value. He gave me just a few words. He said, you're gentle. You're strong. You are worthy because I have made you worthy. And you're courageous. And man, that was the first time I knew that God was speaking about the value that he established on me. That even though I didn't feel all of that stuff, I now knew what God thought of me. Some of y'all in this room, y'all need that. Because some of y'all are sitting here, mentally you feel like Israel, but emotionally you feel like Jacob. And so today, we're going to close in prayer. And I'm going to have Pastor Ross, myself, and Pastor Marvin on this side. I'm going to have Pastor Amy and Pastor Stephanie and my wife over here on this side. And any women that want to come forward, please come to this side. Any men that want to come forward, come to this side. So if you haven't experienced what it's like to have God speak directly into your heart, 
I want you to come forward and just let us, let us tell you what it's like. Let us pray over you. And it's not, it's not words of affirmation like, man, I didn't get enough when I was, when I was little. I didn't get enough at work. I didn't get enough for my family. So I, I need to hear good words. I need to hear good words so I can feel better. No, that's not what it is. It's a, it's a direct relationship, a direct connection with God. And if you haven't felt that yet, if you don't know what that's like, come down to the altar. Let's pray for you. And then you go home and you... It's real. I can tell you. seek him out because it's real. I can tell you because I've been on, the, I've been on one side where down here somewhere, I looked for my value. I looked. For a long time, I looked. And I was convinced that that relationship wasn't for me. I, I, I just must be different than, than these other people that I've heard about that have had real relationships with God. I just must be different. God, I love you. I, I, I love that you sent Jesus down to die for me, but I, I just don't get the whole actual relationship thing. And then whenever I made myself available, God showed me that your value was back here. And I just need you to walk in the cool of the garden. Nathan's going to lead us in a worship song of Mary. If you want prayer, come down forward. Let us pray for you. Let us, let us let you hear the voice of God. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.